Otaku Night on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Cooking with the Daleks. Enjoy the recipe that will exterminate your species. We will begin a mass invasion. We will tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Hey, good evening. <laughs> yeah, let's try that with lips. <laughs> good Lord. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another recording from the Area 51 broadcast bunker here. Welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee to remain carbon neutral to the end of this fiscal year um, for no apparent reason. I am your vaccinated host, The Dome. This is episode 400 and... No, it isn't. God, I can't get anything right tonight. This is episode 524. Joining me tonight in the bunker is uh, Captain Cam. Cam, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing splendidly Ephraim. Oh, you can't talk either? Excellent. <laughs> nope, nope, not, not one little... Uh... Little wibbledy dibbledy dibbledy bit. Excellent. There's there's a there's a marvelous uh, hail and 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 thunderstorm going on uh, above the area 51 bunker tonight. So if if for some reason you hear noise, it's only castles burning. Find someone who's yearning, and you may come around or something like that. Um, you know, and, and it's 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 a wonderful night here. Uh, for a couple of reasons, one, it's it's sherbet night, um, <laughs> which is always fun, uh, and number two, uh, it's old friend night, and old friend night means we get to talk with a buddy, and our buddy tonight is is a writer extraordinaire, who's won like awards, and is a great writer and a good friend. And it's Richard Paolinelli. Richard, how are you, buddy? I'm I am doing good, but I'm beginning to wonder if maybe I shouldn't have had a couple of shots before I came on, so I could talk like you guys are tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking like we're drunk, but we're not. I mean, well, I, sh- I should be high, but I'm not, and I don't uh, know why I'm not. I'll try to stumble over something here or there. But yeah, the big question is, what kind of sherbet? Um, it's Neapolitan sherbet, which is weird. But yeah, you know. Okay. Actually, t- technically, dumb. It's rainbow sherbet, but you know, if you want to call it Neapolitan, that's fine. Well, okay, whatever you say. Hey, it's highbrow sherbet. <laughs> exactly. It's what the box the box says rainbow, so you know. All right. I gave up reading for Lent. There Is you Lent go. over yet? No, never. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I wouldn't know because I'm druid, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Richard. 
started writing a series a while back uh, called Galen's Way, and we read the first book in the series, what, about six, seven months ago? Eight months yeah. ago. Really yeah, liked it. We really liked it because it's 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 a throwback of of really good science fiction space opera, really good stuff. And we said, How many more of these are you writing? And he went, Oh, probably four or five. And literally three weeks ago, book two, Galen's Blade came out. And we got the book actually before it came out. Uh, and we've been waiting until it came out to talk to him about it. We're here to talk about the second book in that series, Galen's Blade. Now, <clears throat> we were talking uh, before we hit the record button, or as, as we say to sound like this is really big time. Before we went on the air, we were talking with the writer. <laughs> And we said, you know, one of three things can happen uh, with the second book in a series. Uh, the first thing that can happen is you read the second book, you go, eh, well, first book was really cool. But the second book kind of went, eh, or the second book was, yeah, it's kind of like the first book. Or you really like the first book and the second book was like, wow, that was unexpectedly so much better than the first book, which I really happened to like. So, you know, the, the captain and I were reading the first book and we went, we really like that book. I wonder what the second book is going to be. And all week long, we've been kind of back and forth with this one going. Well, actually, uh, the first thing Cam said to me was about the first hundred pages. And what did you say, Cam? Oh, the first the first hundred pages just blew by. It was like because. One of the nice things about this, this is the second book in the series, and and it's, uh, we will we will praise Richard uh, highly on this show tonight because we do love his writing style. He didn't spend he knew he didn't have to spend a lot of time. If you've read book one, you don't have he doesn't have to spend a lot of time, you know, trying to get us back up to speed for book two. He spent you know the usual you know perfunctory you know few pages you know reminding us the characters' names yada yada blah blah blah, but then, bam. You know, you're not much more than 10 pages in, I would say 20 tops. And all of a sudden this thing's off like a shot. And you're and in does not speed. Stop Holy crap. <laughs> for 100 pages. And it, that first 100 pages, you, you, you hit page like 105 and you're going, wow. Holy crap. I mean, it is it is written with such grace and speed and precision and and clarity and 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 wonderfulness, I might add. It, that was the most fun hundred pages I've had in a book in an awful long time. Well, I'm just sitting. I'm just going to sit here and drink all this in. You guys just keep going. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It's it, the. I guess where I'm coming from with this series, it's the Star Quest Fourth Age. It's part of John C. Wright's Star Quest universe. And and John writes, I mean, he makes War and Peace look like a pamphlet. Yes, <laughs> right? Yep. So I'm thinking, I want to go, I want to come from the other direction with this. I don't want to get these long, long books. I want you to be able to jump in there. 
Um, like my my co-host on on the radio show I do, Jim Christina says he goes, the, the best book for him is one when he gets on the plane he can start it, and when they're landing at the airport he's done with it. So I'd like to go short, um, you know, somewhere between forty five and seventy thousand words, and and just get into it and let you you know give you a reason to keep turning those pages. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to spend five pages discussing the color of a cup. I'm going to get going and and start throwing stuff in there and and you know it, it's you know call it Space Mountain at Disneyland. You're gonna you get in and hang on. Yeah, and that's exactly what you did. And and, and again, there is so many spoilers that I can't touch upon. I really don't want to touch upon because. But seriously, even in those first hundred pages, there's some pretty good ones in there. But one of the things you do is you have some major major disruptions happen in this wonderful universe here some mm-hmm. horrible well of course it can't, it can't be a true story if there isn't something horrible happening but right. you don't well <laughs> you don't dwell on you know and this happened and this happened it's just all of a sudden and ch- next chapter boom and there it is dropped right on your head and you're going oh my lord that was fast but when you think about it, you go but i didn't need much of a lead in seriously you know in fact, it's better to just take that, you know, horrible event and go drop it right on your head and go, there it is. You know, you you knew you had to know this was coming. And truth be told, yes, we all had to know that something was horrible was coming. And you just dropped it right in there. You didn't spend a lot of time with it. You didn't, you know, dilly dally. You know, it was a few paragraphs here, a few paragraphs there. And boom, it's it's happened. And yeah. I just I love it's this wonderful economy of writing like your 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 friend there on the on the radio show or the podcast said it's like this is the kind of book i would second this that this is the kind of book you get if you're going on a cross-country flight you know you you take that on the plane you sit down you start reading you're done by the time you get off the plane and i like mm-hmm. those kind of books yeah i i tend to write shorter i i don't get like i said i don't get overly descriptive and some of it is um i i like to give you just enough information for you to let your imagination fill in what I don't give you, because that makes it connect more with you if you're filling in some blanks, because now you're seeing what you think it should be, and it it, it helps the reader connect. I, I can't really explain why, but it's just something I've I've noticed and, and developed over the years. It's I, That's why I don't get you know, down to the details, every little detail about each character. I give you the basic information. I let your imagination jump in there and fill in what what I didn't put in. And, and, and I tend be- to agree with you on that. The beauty of the writing. No, go ahead, Kim. Oh, no, I, I just I was going to say I tend to agree with you that that's exactly what I like is when, you know, you you do this, you know, it's like, when you're describing each one of the characters and you don't really describe them that way, you know, to any depth, it, it, like you said, it allows me to, you know, put my own feel and my own head image onto this character. And it gives the the reader, myself and others, some ownership of these characters because we mm-hmm. now have the, our own internalized image of what we think that character looks like or, exactly. you know, s- certain things, what they wear, what they, you know, what that gun they carry looks like, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the beauty of the writing for me is that there's an intelligence to it. There's an intelligence in the way it allows the reader 
to become a partner in crime with the writer. You know, you're not lecturing the reader. Mm -hmm. You're saying to the reader, I'm taking you on it. You're a partner in this with me. So, look, we're doing this and we're doing this. And here's this. Here's how this is happening. And by not over describing, by not over explaining everything, you're allowing the, the willing suspension of disbelief to occur in 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 the reader's mind and the best writers allow that to happen uh and that's why these books are so much fun for me well i'm 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 you know that's that's what i'm trying to accomplish uh, is i want when a person's done reading one of my books no matter which one it is is that you are happy that you spent the time that you spent reading it uh, you enjoyed reading it and you want to read whatever I come, you know, whatever I cook up in my head next, um, you know, and, and find out what what other bit of insanity I can cook up that, that nobody will see coming. And I, the trick for me is to keep coming up with these ways to to keep showing the, the shiny little object in my left hand. So you're not paying attention to what I'm doing with my right hand. Um, I think that's, you know, the magician's problem is how do you. How do you keep the audience guessing? So as long as I can continue doing that, and as long as people enjoy reading it, that's really, to me, that's mission accomplished. Now, here's where it gets difficult for me. Because I want to talk about one of the characters. Okay. And, well, I'm not I, going, and I'm not going to. I'm merely going to say that after we finished the show, the last show, off the air, you and I had a very long discussion about one of the characters. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know at that point if you had started book two. But we had a real heart-to-heart, -heart, in-depth discussion about this particular character. And... What great, what a great concept it was, and I'm I'm trying real hard not to give anything away right now. <laughs> You're doing a beautiful job, Dub. You're doing fine so far. And how I thought this character could really develop over the arc of five books. And I don't know if at that point you had any part of book two written or any part of that character's development done for book two. Um, boy, see, now I'm going to have to be careful how I answer that, aren't I? Um, <laughs> I did not have anything finalized. There, so, there was there was still some things up in the air. Uh, did did our conversation influence it? Maybe, maybe a little, because I realized what I wanted to do with that character would work because of the way people were responding to that character. 
you included. So I, I knew that my thought process of how that arc was going to go, I was on the right track. Now, did I have it dialed in? No, uh-uh, not yet. Um, my hope was that there was a little bit of influence that our discussion influenced the development of that character. But I had no idea until I read the second book and I'm reading and I'm reading and I got to a point in the book and I went, son of a bitch. And I realized that I had been bamboozled for about two thirds of the book <laughs> by you and the way you had put and the way you had built portions of that character throughout the second portion of the book. And I was so pleasantly surprised, delighted. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like watching Penn and Teller when they say to you, I'm going to explain to you how we did the trick. And even when they show you, you still don't understand it. You still know you've been tricked and you're still not sure why, and you're still not sure how, and you're still just as delighted by it. When I got to the end of the book, it was all those things for me. And I can't wait now for books three, four, and five, because you've put everything that I wanted to see with those characters, with that character, with those dynamics, and more into it. And it's just absolutely delightful. So, you know, everything that I'd hoped to see and more occurred. And wow, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome. Uh, no, yeah, I, you know, I would imagine because, like, like I said, I didn't have it dialed in. I didn't have exactly how it was going to play out down on paper. But I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to have happen. And it was just a matter of ironing out how. And, and yeah, I think, you know, I, I can't say it didn't influence because I'm sure it did. Um, just just the thought of you know our conversation and the reactions I was getting from the first book, um, and then knowing what I wanted to accomplish with the rest of the series, and then it was just sitting there trying to figure out how to make it work in a believable way, but in a way that nobody would see coming. And I I I'm judging by everybody's reactions so far three weeks in that nobody saw this one coming. Uh, I, I can't imagine that anybody did. Yeah. Um, well, I and we know that I am very good about seeing things coming, Dome, and uh, <laughs> to the point of where you have you have referenced me as being a cold-hearted bastard in one case, um, in a number of which, cases, which, yeah. which, which, which I accept as the highest compliment I can receive, and I will bear that to the uh, that will be on my tombstone. I promise you, um, but. This one did catch me. I, it, and the weird thing was, as, as, as I think I said at one point, is it, it caught me 
because you know how the magician, he's got the hand, one hand here and the other hand behind his back, you know, working the coin. I was literally looking at the hand behind Richard's back going, that's where the coin is. That's where the right. coin is. Wait and a minute, was all in that hand. <laughs> Damn you. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was a great maneuver, man. Absolutely yeah. great maneuver. Yeah, I keep telling people, you know, if I'm focusing on something in the story, so should you. And then you kind of figure out, okay, what's the what's the obvious thing he's up to, and then ignore that because that's not yep. where I'm going with it. Um, and like I said, that's the trick is to continue doing that with each book. Um, you know, I I think I can, and I get, I like doing it because I I I like surprises when I'm reading a book. I hate getting to the end of the book, and about halfway through, I've already figured out how it's going to end hate that i love the books i love the most are the ones where i go oh my god i didn't see that i did not see that one coming um so that's kind of the way i approach my writing i want you to think you know where i'm going and then i want you to be surprised and delighted when it turns out you didn't know where i was going and and you like where i did go instead yeah and then the beauty of this book and the beauty of this this whole galen's way series is there's echoes of of Heinlein and and Clark in there it's like you know you you get a taste and a feel of that stuff in there that but you never lose the flavor of of your 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 writing in there as well so it's it's such a great mixture of of uh the classic science fiction with with your stamp in there as well um Problem, well, I was a critic. Yeah, I was... critic said about this book recently. Even Tolkien, there's a, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's certainly a nod to Tolkien in this book uh, that I, I look forward to anybody that reads this, seeing if they can find it. Because I, I, I personally did when I get to that and that and have that same feeling that 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 one one critic said about you is that that feeling at one point in the book that you know feels very Tolkien-esque. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the, the speech that he said it reminded him of wasn't the one that I had in mind when I when I wrote the one because <laughs> I was thinking more of um, I'll see I, if I say anything, we give it. There's another speech that happens after that, that I was I was had more in mind of of the speech that Galen gives. It was more of the men, men of the West speech. Um, but oh. you know what? I Okay. I can I can kind of see where it was the one that the the critic mentioned. I can say, okay, yeah, that that probably would be a little bit more in line with with that one than it would be the other. So you know, just the fact that he connected Tolkien, and it really wasn't what I was going for. I was just going for I wanted that kind of a heroic speech at the end. Uh, but he went to Tolkien, and I will take that comparison. Happily, and I was going to say that's a terrible thing. comparison. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been compared to Heinlein and Tolkien. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy with that. I will take that and run. So, so on, on my tombstone, it'll say "cold-hearted bastard." On you, yours, it'll say "compared to Tolkien and Heinlein." <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to use the one that Dom keeps calling you "son of a bitch." I'm going to put that on my tombstone. With, you, you know, with Dom's name underneath. <laughs> Yeah, the dome. Uh, yep. I got it. You know, it's it's very few contemporary writers 
that can really just I can that can stop me dead in the middle of a, a, a book and go, wow, that caught me by surprise. It just it it just doesn't happen that often because you know it just it's just not a thing. Well, I think I'm going to do it in book three. <laughs> All right, I'll be keeping an eye on both hands this time. I will warn you right now, there's a surprise coming in book three, so. What, and I'm not going to be looking for it now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but the thing with three is this is probably where, I mean, we're we're getting, we're starting to get a connection to the the larger StarQuest universe through Galen. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we can't do spoilers, but you know, there are things going on with Galen that are above and beyond what's going on in the present time of that story. Right. Uh, book three, we're going to we're going to get more of that. And we're going to there's a couple of surprise reveals and one other surprise. I can't I can't even give you a hint because I'll give it away. Um, so I, each book will have a, a, a next piece of the puzzle. That, that connects it to the greater StarQuest universe. I just need John to release his five books sometime this year so, that people, <laughs> so people can read the 12th Age stuff and then go, oh, okay, so now some of the stuff going on in 4th Age really makes sense now. <laughs> so I, I, I keep telling him, hurry up, hurry up, because if my third book comes out before yours do, I'm going to have some people look at me like, what are you, what are you smoking? Well, you know... We can all be smoking stuff. That doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you know, how has your writing process been going? Because you've been doing a lot of writing lately, haven't you? Um, not as much as I would want to, um, mainly because I, I partnered up with Jim Christina and we, we started Tuscany Bay Books yeah. a few years ago. And it seems like in the last year, year and a half, we have gotten super busy. We've we've got authors who are submitting some really good stuff. We have, uh, you know, we've been releasing a new series by Declan Finn. We just acquired his St. Tommy NYPD series uh, from a publisher that had closed their shop. So we've got that series that we just re-released the first eight books of, and we're going to be releasing four more books in that series in the coming months. So I've been more with the publishing hat than writing hat. Um, hopefully by the end of this month, I can, I can kind of get back to doing some more writing because I've got some projects coming up in addition to finishing the StarQuest stuff that I, I had to put on the back shelf for a year and a half, and I really like to get to them while I can still remember them. <laughs> No, well, you need to do that, man. Uh, I mean, you know, some of us, uh, some of us really, really like what you do and really appreciate what you do and really, really need you to get back into doing what you do best. And this is, so how far along are you in book three? He wants to know. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's, strange how I write and people will will swear there's no way I could get away with doing it this way, but this is how it works. I have book three laid out. 
Um, what I usually do is when I'm ready to write the book, that becomes everything in my universe until it's done. So I will, you know, some people, they, they write an hour here, two hours there. No, it's seven days a week. And, you know, as many hours as I can squeeze in around the, the basic minimums that I have to do beyond writing until it's done. And then, you know, I go into the to the edit and rewrite process and then send it off to my editor and and do all that. So none of if, if the book is not out, it hasn't been started yet. But I do have everything mapped out and laid out so that when I am ready, I just open the file and off we go. So book book three has not been started, but it will not take long to to start and get finished. The only problem is I've got two standalone projects I really want to get done first. So I will not start on book three until probably about the end of this year. Okay, so the bad that's the bad news, but the good news <laughs> is you've got two standalone projects that are yes, I do. sitting in the queue. Yeah, uh, well, the, the one that's in the queue actually got started and I had to shut it down because I realized halfway through that I did not like the direction it was going. And I've done this before. Um, in fact, I did it with Escaping Infinity. Uh, th that book should have come out three years earlier. But it, I hit a point where I did not like where it was going. I, did, I could not come up with the way I wanted to go forward. So it's like, okay, set it aside, work on something else, and then come back. Um, the, this one is called Firstborn's Curse, and it deals with the biblical character Cain. And the question it asks is, what if the mark on Cain's forehead was not a warning to others not to harm Cain, but was a mark against death to never come for Cain, and he's been cursed to live forever, and always failing no matter what he tries to do as his punishment for killing his brother? Oh, I like this idea. And he finds redemption at the end of the book, but I won't say how. Um, but well, I, no, don't give away the ending. <laughs> I, I, I hit a snag with it because I didn't like the direction I was wandering off with, and it, it didn't feel right. I've got that sorted out now. So, like I said, as soon as I can get to the end of this month and get my publishing stuff done. Um, that's the thing I'm going to pick up on, and I hope to have the book out, oddly enough, right around Christmas time. Perfect Christmas present. <laughs> yeah, Christmas present. A little Christian fantasy for you. For Absolutely. So what that could be better. Uh, the other standalone is the, my my first fiction credit ever. I was the lead writer for a comic book series called Sea Dragon. It was produced in '86 by a. a a comic book company, an independent company in Texas. Um, it lasted all of six issues. Um, and I've always felt like I was just getting started with that character when they shut the doors. So all these years have gone by and I bumped into uh, the surviving uh, co-publisher at a uh, convention in Nebraska. And I, I told them what I had in mind and I asked him, would you allow me to make a novelization of the Sea Dragon character? Nice. And he goes, do it, do it. And I said, well, do I need to do anything? He said, no, no, just go do it, write it, and let's see what happens. So that that's the next project after Firstborn's Curse. We'll, I'll have Sea Dragon. I'm going to be addressing a lot of things that I thought were major issues that I didn't get to. 
namely what is an FBI agent in the middle of West Texas doing running a guy who is basically trapped in a deep sea diving suit and can't ever get out of it. So why, why, you know, how does an FBI guy run that? It's a good question. <laughs> so I, I found, I found a solution. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, I, I am, I'm looking forward to getting those two done and then jumping back into star quest. This gives John time to get his books finished and out. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping once we get his books out and we get some other authors who are going to, who've said they want to be a part of it, get them in. We can have this amazing universe for people to dive into that literally stretches for millions of years. And then we can get all you on the show and uh, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to uh, just, you know, I got to get uh, some kind of a whipping stick or something and get John going. Well, what I'm, what I'm looking forward to more than anything else is anything new written by Richard Palinelli because he's so damn good at what he does. And I so enjoy when he writes because it's so precise and so pristine and so good for the soul to read. So Galen's Blade is the second book in the series. Um, Read the first one, then read the second one, then sit on your hands and wait for number three because it's going to be well worth the wait. Our guest tonight is an incredible writer, a great friend of the show, and a great friend of ours, Richard. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me on again. It is always a pleasure to be on. It's always fun. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is made possible with the support of Granite Con and Double Midnight Comics, Plastic City Comic Con, the Upper Valley Comic Expo, Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine, and Comic Art House. If you're looking for a great gift idea, may we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology, My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, Jojo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime, good night, everyone. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Good night, everybody. Hey.